Hi, everybody. Welcome back. This is Joni Stahl. It is so good to be back today. I hope all of you are having a good day today or evening, whichever time you are tuning into this. I would like to welcome all of you to this channel if this is your first time. I just want to thank you so much for those who are also have become my new subscribers. And I want to always remind you that this is not just a channel. I want to always remind you that when you come here, this is a little green pasture. And I'm only a little under shepherdess. I'm just here to pour out living waters into your cup and to be a voice crying in the wilderness. And that this is a place where you can find nourishment for your soul, the bread of life, as I said, the living water. And I just want you guys to know how much I appreciate you and all your help that you always give to me through so many of your prayers, that your prayers are so powerful. And I covet your prayers for this ministry, because as you know, when you do this kind of work, there is <laughs> there's a lot that goes to it and involved with it. And that means spiritually and things, things spiritually manifesting themselves in the flesh and in the world. Okay. So also I want to announce to everybody that I have made it possible for everybody to begin listening to these episodes on my new podcast. So you can find that podcast link down below. Many of you have been asking me if I would not mind doing that. And so I dragged my feet long enough and I found a way to do it because basically I teach myself how to do everything with the help of God. So I pray that will become a blessing to you. So before I get started, I am going to pray and I'm going to let the ball roll here with Christ. Okay. All right. Father in heaven, I just come to you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to thank you. For yet another day, another day that the Lord has made, that I will begin with it rejoicing and being glad in it because you're in it and you are the day spring that arises in our hearts. I pray that on this day, Lord, and every day as people listen to this broadcast, that they will know that it is you who are speaking to them. Like the old Puritan said, let my name die with myself, but let his name be ever remembered. So I pray that, Lord, that you will bless everybody and encourage everybody in these words that will be spoken. I know so much is in my heart being stirred. So I ask that you deliver it according to your will, Holy Spirit, and that you will bear witness to it and sanctify me and sanctify my heart and sanctify the words of my mouth and sanctify your own words and the meaning of them to everybody that will hear in Jesus name. Amen. Okay. So I am going to begin by saying this. Would you not agree that when you hear the news about somebody that you know, that you love a friend, a family member, or even somebody maybe you don't know personally, but that you've loved from a distance, that you hear that they're soon to die. Doesn't that have an effect on our life? Doesn't it throw 
this big break on within each of us. I know it does with me. Like all of a sudden, everything I thought that was so important that that bothered me, that frustrated me, my plans, my agenda, all these things all of a sudden to me just stopped dead. Like none of it mattered anymore. And in that moment and in that time, and even perhaps, you know, maybe I don't always go to their funerals, but you'll, but I'll learn of a day that they have passed away or a day coming that they will. And with those that are near to us that are, that will pass away and we know that they will be, whether it is, you know, your mother, your father, a sister, a brother, a best friend, a neighbor that you love dearly. We, in a way, partake in that death, don't we? You know, we hear about it. And though we go on with our day, we carry that idea, not idea, the reality that this life does not last forever. And with saying that, I I, I always stop because I heard uh, some news about somebody that I know and love very much um, who um, has been given a terminal um, report. And this person has done a lot of work for the kingdom of God. And I love this person so much, but I know that this person has really in my spirit have finished their course. Just like Jesus said in the three uh, finishes of John in the book of John, when he told the disciples who came back with food after the woman of Samaria went with her people and he had finished you know, talking to her, he said, my meat is not, to, is, is not of this world but to finish the work that God has given me to do. And in John 17, we see that marvelous, magnificent, not not just marvelous, this mysterious, powerful prayer that we could always dig into probably for all eternity, where in one part of it, Jesus says, Father, I have finished the work that you've given me to do. Well, we know he didn't die right that moment, but it was shortly thereafter until he hung on the cross and his final words were, it is finished. So that person's work most likely is finished. So this really caused me to do some deep thinking overnight, you know, and I, and I like it that it happens to me. I don't like to hear that they're going to pass away, but they're going into glory and they're not scared and they're going to rejoice. It is their homecoming. But what does it leave us with? What does it always leave us with? with a stark, blatant reality of today. And we're so busy in tomorrow, what we're going to do tomorrow, what's going to happen next week, where we're going to be by the end of the year, who's going to be elected, what's going to happen if the person who's elected is elected and we don't like him, what's going to happen? And there's these grass, this grasping and this clawing and this running to and fro, and this searching far and wide, and looking to see what the future holds. And there is a danger to that, because what happens, and that's fine, we want to know, we're, we, you know, it says a man will make his plans, but in the end, it's the Lord who directs his steps. But something happens. I can maybe just, I'll just, I'll just vouch for myself. It makes everything, every choice I'm making, everything I'm doing, I'm checking my motives because I want every day that I am alive, I want it to be right with Christ. 
I want it to be right because I love Jesus Christ, because I love Jesus Christ, because I want to do what pleases him. Because from my heart, I love him more than anything or anybody. And I'm sure you do too. So I'm saying this because when we realize that we can get so involved in tomorrow, we lose what Christ has for us, for you. You lose what Christ has for you today. Because what Satan has is everybody programmed, running back and forth, going to and fro. Like I said in my last video, I do not mind repeating myself. There are so many people giving prophecies that really are, they're, they're terrifying. It's the run for the hills prophecies. Run for the hills. You know, you have people that are good, that are post-trib and they're saying, this is what's going to happen. This is how you're going to have to survive. Then there's people that believe in the pre-trib rapture. And they're saying this and they're saying that. And then there's people that don't believe in anything at all. But they come up with their own conclusions. And they're coming up with their own doctrines. And they don't have any kind of an eschatology position that we've even heard of. And so we're getting all of these, the Lord saith, the Lord told me, I know his voice. And so what happens is we start to listen to so many kinds of voices and every kind of voice is telling us what to expect, telling us, well, the Lord showed me that this is going to happen. Now, again, let me preface this by saying I operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and I hear from him and I obey him in my personal and private life. And I know you do, too. But I want to talk to you today about the day that you live in. I want you to focus on what Jesus says about today and tomorrow, what he says about yesterday. See, yesterday's already done. You you know, as much as we all, we tend to always look back because we want to kind of figure out what's going to happen tomorrow. Because in a sense, when we look at yesterday, we can kind of say, well, it has a trend, right? You know, like a trends research analyst, we go, well, this is what happened the last 20 years. And so we can tell that by this trend, this will happen tomorrow. But you know, something is happening inside of me where I just feel such a departure from saying, I get it. I know what's happening. I see what's happening. I've read about it in the Bible, but something's happening in, inside of me where I'm saying, I want to directly go to Christ. I want to sit before the Lord. I want to wait before the Lord. And of course, I'm limited with time. I don't always have all day. I don't have ever have all day to be with the Lord. Um, there might be a day here and there. I may be given that time. So my time is incredibly important to me. And it has such powerful weight. When we realize that each day that's given to us is has it's so weighty that Satan gets involved first thing in the morning. I want to ask if you've experienced this. I certainly have, and I had to learn how to put it down. But I remember for years of my life, the first thing I would do when I opened my eyes is immediately Satan would inject some horrible image or what are you going to do now that you know that this is happening? What are you going to do? And I'd be like, all of a sudden I would be alarmed. And I and I and before I really knew how to fight that off, I was doing all this. You know, I'm hyperventilating before I even have taken my 20th breath in the morning. 
until I realize how Satan knows how important the day is. See, Satan knows that if he can distract and delay you from meeting with Christ at some point during your day, some some of you cannot, some of you have different sleep patterns. Some of you work first thing in the morning. So please understand what my habit is, is not your habit. But I'm talking about even Jesus said, I mean, even the apostle Paul said, do not, you know, um, be angry and sin not, do not let the sun go down upon thy wrath, right? He said, neither give Satan a foothold because see, Satan knows that in a day he can change the course of your life. Okay. Never forget that a day, a day is a very powerful thing. See, Satan even hates, and I love what, um, I believe that Hannah Whittle Smith is what she said. She said, Satan doesn't care that you have future faith. That doesn't strike him at all. It doesn't bother him. He's not afraid of future faith. He's afraid of the now faith. He's afraid of the now Christian. He's afraid of when you say, I don't know about tomorrow. No man knows what a day may bring forth. No one knows what tomorrow may bring. But I know this, that this is the day that I'm alive in. And from the rising of the sun into the going down of the same, the Lord's name is going to be praised. And I had to learn how to work at that. I did. I had to train myself. And I noticed that the more I tried to, like, and, and, and when I acknowledged it and I realized it by the Holy Spirit, by the witness of the Holy Spirit, I realized, hold on a minute. Look at how quick Satan is. Because if he can get you in the morning, he'll get you most of your day. And he'll get you most of your whole day and he will set you up into a point where you are bowing down at his feet, shaking like a leaf, running before your enemies, turning your back against God that you don't even know what you're doing. Next thing you know, you're being controlled completely by your emotions. Because listen, another thing that I love um, that is quoted by somebody that I really love, and I believe it is Hannah Whittall Smith. And I just saw this recently in my Bible. I wrote it down. She said, remember your experience is according to the will, your will, the choice of your will and not the verdict of your emotions. So you see Satan, look at in this world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have a lot coming against you. Some more than others. You may have easy going for about a day, three days, a week, a year, a month. Some people can have a pretty easy going ride, but there's going to come a day where you're going to be met with some very tragic news. You're going to be met with, by the way, your um, the currency has been shut down or something. I don't care. Just name it. But one thing is that Satan enters in first thing in the morning. You remember in the garden where it said that Adam and Eve heard the voice of the of God walking in the cool of the day? Well, that's the morning. And was not Satan there at the same time? You see, Satan is not a time waster. Satan knows the value of time. He knows what time. He knows that what it means. You know that saying, well, let's just blow off some time and go do something. Let's just waste some time. No, I know that's okay. Sometimes you have an appointment and you're in an area. Let's go grab a bite to eat. That's not what I mean. Let's be clear here. But I noticed this. When I started to wake up in the morning, when I acknowledged to God, I said, God, that's right. 
first thing in the morning before I even open up my eyes. The enemy is watching me. I know you compass my path and my lying down. I know that you're about my bed. I know that you're around me. And then you wait for me to wake up so that I can hear your voice in the morning in the cool of the day when I go devotions. But if Satan can beat me before I even open my eyes and get out of bed, then I need to be aware of that. Because you see, if he can get into my head, then I'm going to even get before the Lord like a shaking leaf. Lord, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? How am I going to do it? How am I going to perform it? What am I going to do? How am I going to pay that bill? What are we going to do next week? And right then the enemy's got you by a chain and you have become his slave. So what I did is I immediately said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to control this. So I woke up first morning of that and I right away, Satan was right there, but it was like he knew it was coming because he heard me. He sees things spiritually that's coming. All of a sudden it was like a carnival was in my head. Every bad thing, every accusation, everything that I was looking forward to that could happen in a week from now or a year from now, it exploded like a war in my head. And I was like, wow. So every morning I had to go in the name of Jesus. I said, I'm going to turn. I turn my mind over to you, Jesus Christ. I reject these things. Satan is saying to me. And the more I did it, the more he realized that it was a futile attempt of his. Now, he will leave for a season. He'll try other things. But the point I'm making is, is that, you see, that person I know that knows she probably doesn't have a long time. How much more are her days aware to her that the days on this earth have a different weight to her? She's not thinking you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do. You know what she's doing? She's off and running. She's like, well, man, I'm going to make some, I'm going to make some progress until Christ takes me home. I don't, I didn't hear her say that, but I know her well enough. I believe that that is something I am certain she is saying. And I would know this of my own self, that if I was told, Joni, you have such and such amount of time to live, I'd go, oh, you want to see some Want to, want to see me burn some because the life I now live before I said, I live in the, by faith in the son of God. And I've been crucified with Christ. You want to see a crucified life. I'm dead already. And really, when you think about it, it says that we are dead already. Our life is hid with Christ in God, right? So Christ is our life. So what I'm saying here is this. I felt so powerfully today to talk about today or tomorrow. See, Satan says tomorrow, God says today. You know, I think about Pharaoh when he observed the Israelites turning back to God. And he knew, he knew it was a dangerous sign. And he supposed he could hinder their spiritual deliverance by increasing their physical bondage. So he intensified their workload. And Satan does the same with those that he makes slaves. Satan has Christian slaves. It's not just the unsaved. That's a give me. They're already his slaves. They have, he has them. They're the children of darkness, children of wrath, children of disobedience, children of darkness. But you know what he does? It's it's obvious what he does. See, Satan, he does the same with his slaves. He keeps them too busy to think about heaven or hell. 
He never leaves them and he's always working to intercept any thoughts of grace, mercy, love, righteousness, the verse that they just heard that morning. He'll intercept everything. Just like how it says in Revelation chapter 12 about as soon as the woman gave birth, the dragon was right there to resist it. See, Satan is a resisting force in your life and in mine. Satan's kingdom is a resisting kingdom. It resists the Holy Spirit. It resists the power of God in you. So if he can keep you too busy to have you even think of heaven or hell, then you don't realize, I don't realize who's chained, who we're chained to. You know, there's people that are recreational Christians. They just are. Hopefully, before they die, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that God will open up their eyes and affect them mightily. And maybe this will affect you and you're a recreational Christian. And I don't say that as some big smear or some condescending, well, they're recreational Christians. That's not who I am. And maybe, Lord, they're just, they're not even born again, but they like the feeling, the sensation. Because you see, if you're one of those, God loves you. And he wants you saved. And he wants your name written in his Lamb's book of life. But when God sees a person that is coming to him that says, hey, listen, I know that tomorrow was not promised to me. And I believe God wants me to look at what is happening in this day with him day by day. Well, then see, that's a problem with Satan. See, because Satan, if he can get you in tomorrow, look at all the damage he causes in a day. Look at how much he fills your mind. You know, today I listened, somebody sent me a a word somebody gave this person. And I don't very much agree with some things that she said, but I, I love her. I think she's pretty powerful, actually. I actually really like her, though. I disagree with some of her doctoral positions, but I really respect her. I love her. But her messages are always very, although she does point to Christ, a lot of her messages point to down here, wrath, destruction, running for your life. And I, I have a different way, I suppose, that I do things where I say, well, yeah, we do want to be wise about what's happening in our life. We want to stock up. We want to have water. We want to be aware of this and that. But something powerfully in me wants to exhort. Now, I believe that's the Holy Spirit. He wants to exhort you in each day. Listen, I found some little things I want to share with you. When Satan sees that you are truly a messenger of Christ and you can, you don't have to have a YouTube channel. This is not just, you know, the, the, the work of God is not just for pastors or elders or deacons or bishops. With the way things are going in the church, the church has epically failed. It became a system that shut Christ out. And we are here in these last days and everybody Everybody should be a messenger of Jesus Christ. 
Is that not is is that not what the Great Commission is called? Yes, I know he set some to be teachers, you know, some apostles, some teachers, some pastors, some prophets, some with the gift of healing, each man with his proper gift. But you see, that gift that is in you is to reconcile this world back to Christ. And so where you are at is your sphere of influence, even if you're in a terrible situation. Even if you don't have anybody to talk to, God has his hand on you. Now, I'm not just going to talk about being always a messenger because you can always be in Christ in a certain thing. And it doesn't mean handing out tracts and it doesn't mean always on your knees because you see Jesus said to the, said to the uh, uh, Pharisees, he said, they said, tell us, are you the Christ? He said, I told you already and you don't believe, but the works that I do, they will testify of me. Satan interferes. He's a resistor. Notice, as soon as you start to become serious and say, I'm fed up with this world. I don't want to hear any more. Run for the hills. Because I dwell with Christ in God. In the high and holy hill of heavenly Mount Zion. And his righteousness is like the great mountains. Think about it. When God sent Moses to deliver Israel, Satan sent Janus and Jambres. Think about that. When Paul preached truth to the deputy in Paphos, Satan sent a certain sorcerer, a false prophet named Bargesus or Alemus to encounter him with lies. When God sent a man of God out of Judah to cry against Jeroboam's altar, Satan sent the old prophet of Bethel who led him out of the way to his death. He was killed by a lion. And think of why God spared Job's wife. And yet Satan sent her with a cup of his poison for him to drink by her own hands. Remember she said, curse God and die. Why are you still blessing him? It's clear that David would not have received from Nabal what he took from Abigail's hands. Satan thought to send the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil to Adam by the hand of Eve. Samson was sent by God, but was defeated by Delilah. Satan used Peter to tempt Christ. You know, I think of a quote I read by William Gurnall. He's absolutely my favorite Puritan. He said, be especially wary of carnal friends and relatives when you decide to follow Christ. Resolve that if your own children grab you by your ankles and try to hold you back from him, you will drive them away. And if your father or mother throw themselves in front of you, you will step over their backs if you must to get to Christ. Let those who will mock and scorn your faith. What is heaven worth if you cannot bear a little shame? If they spit on your face, Christ will wipe it off. The final outcome has already been declared and you have sided with the victor. You notice how Satan likes to distract with with delays. See, he doesn't fear fleeting thoughts of repentance. And I think, I wouldn't doubt that there's many people, millions of them, in hell, in Hades right now that at one time or another didn't give thought to repenting while they were alive on earth. But notice he was always able to carry them away to some other urgent business. 
you know, it says that we have to press in. We have to press forth, forward. It says that we have to press into Christ. Because Satan knows the value of the day. Remember, the devil says tomorrow, God says today. Whom are you going to obey? Really? I mean, haven't you done that? I have. I've been fully guilty of that. Where I've been reading an article and I go, okay, I better read this. And then as soon as I'm done, I'm going to do this. Oh, wait a minute. What's this? Oh, I didn't see this. Then I'm reading another article. Oh, oh, there's a video with it. Well, it's only a 15 minute video. Next thing you know, it's two and a half hours. The day is going on. Next thing you know, a flood of other things of urgent matter are carrying me away. I want to direct your attention to Hebrews 3, 7 through 19. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart. They have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, therefore, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Every day, practically, no, every day, the children of Israel, they were a prototype in a sense, because we could obviously read it every day and say, God provided for them bread every morning to gather every morning. Okay. They had enough. They gathered for that day for their house and for themselves. Nobody gathered more. Nobody gathered less. And they were to do it daily. And notice that each day there was a pillar of cloud by day. They had to look up to see, okay, I guess we're here for another day. Because a day came when the cloud began to move. They said, oh, we're we're moving Everybody began to pack up their tent, but they would not know that if they were not daily looking up to see the cloud. You see, if Satan can get you looking down here saying, what is this? We love to have the leeks and the garlics and the onions and the melons. Did you bring us out here to die? We're fed up with this manna. You know, every day they saw miracles of God, but they got used to it. They saw the Red Sea part. They went through the parting of the Jordan. They saw enemies being slain before them. God sent the terror of them into all the nations. 
God slew mighty kings before them. He caused nations to tremble just knowing they were coming. And yet it was not enough for them. And that is where Satan has the hearts of the believers today. You see, the hearts of believers are so used to having every five. I know people who say, John, I've got like eight or nine Bibles. They have commentaries. They've seen miracles of God. They can quote chapter and verse from this book. And yet their hearts are hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Because it says, today, if you will hear his voice. What is the next words? Harden not your hearts. You know why? Because that means their hearts became calloused. They no longer heard God. Yeah, we're used to it. What about what the disciples said when the woman broke that alabaster bottle and poured that pricey spikenard perfume upon the head of Jesus Christ to prepare him aforetime for his burial by the Holy Spirit? And you know what they said? Why this waste? You see, they even got used to the very physical person of Christ in their life. You see, when you get used to Jesus Christ, you get used to living with him like you do your roommate or your spouse or your neighbor. You get used to him. And then next thing you know, you're emptied of power. You don't know why your heart is darkened. You know why? Because what happens, notice how he says, that their hearts were hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. It says, if you will hear his voice, it says, well, it is said today. That means every day you could read that word and say, wait a minute, if you hear his voice, you see, Satan wants to be the first voice that you hear before God's. So you say, that's right. What am I going to do if we don't have enough rent? What are we going to do? How are we going to? And next thing you know, he's baited you. He's hooked you. Now he's dragging you along like a kill. Because it says, but exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness. See, deceitfulness of sin enters in. See, you become, you start to bite into deceit. Do you, let me ask you a question. Does God want you to focus? No, God wants you to be understanding of what the will of the Lord is. He wants you to have understanding of the times that you're living in. But he does he want you to straight up focus on that? So every moment you're wondering, what are you going to do? 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 No. Of course not. Today is a powerful day. Think about what the thief on the cross said to Jesus in Luke 23, 43. He said, Jesus said to him, he was, he was, going to die that day. He died that day. And he, Jesus said to him, he said to Jesus, remember me when you have gone into paradise. And Jesus said, truly, I say to you today, you shall be with me in paradise. Aren't we exhorted in the uh, prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. Are we not exhorted when Jesus says to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow after me. Doesn't James exhort us in 4.13 where it says, come now you who say today or tomorrow, 
we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. But rather you should say, if it be the Lord's will, we will go here and there and do such and such. Think about Zacchaeus. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for today. I must abide in your house. And after that, in the same chapter, it says, if you had known this day, even you, the things that make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. He said, if you had known this day, you see, there's going to be people who will have heard the gospel today, today, and they'll die in a car accident. They'll have a heart attack. Something will happen where they will have heard and they didn't respond. This was their day to hear. You know, what about Jesus where he says in Matthew 6, 34, take therefore no thought for for tomorrow, for for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You know, I think about Christ and his journey. It says, nevertheless, I must journey today and tomorrow and the next day, for it cannot be that a prophet would perish outside of Jerusalem. And in Hebrews 13, 8, I see this because he says, I must journey on today and tomorrow and the next day. And it says of Christ, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and what? Today and forever. You know, I was thinking the other day about how much, how many things could befall us. What is coming here and what's coming there? And all of a sudden, that scripture from Colossians chapter 3 came into my mind. If ye then be risen with Christ... Set your mind on things above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on earth for ye are dead. And this part for your life is hid with Christ in God. And that I could hear the Holy Spirit within me saying, if your life is hid with Christ in God, then what can Satan do to you that he must first do to Christ first? If you are hidden in Christ, then he must go through Christ to get to you. I I want to always, always be one that points to the pasture land. I'm going to always go out of my way to encourage you, to exhort you, that today if you will hear his voice, that you do not harden your hearts. As in the day of provocation. Don't take it for granted. Do not take it for granted. Your day. Don't take it for granted. I remember one day I was watching local news. And there was a helicopter view of a tree that had fallen on this beautiful car. I could tell it was an expensive car. And it said there is a woman. She's still in her car. She's dead. Um, because we had these radical winds and it blew a huge tree over. And I'm talking a massive colossal tree and it fell right on top of her car and her life was done. You know, and she didn't expect that. Now I'm not trying to be like, Oh, you know, listen, I'm not, the God, God has not given you a spirit of fear. 
but one of power, love, and a sound mind. He wants you to be eternally conscious, eternal conscious. He wants you to have a view that he wants heaven and things that are eternal to be far greater than the things of this earth. Okay, it says, while we look at the things which are not seen, but but while we look not at things, uh, not at the temporal, but at the things which are unseen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are unseen are eternal. And everything you do in this day, think about it. Each day has been given to you by Christ because think about this too. And I remember one day I, I thought this because I get up in the mornings to do my devotion before the sun rises. And as the sun was rising, I said, Lord, it's like a new birth. It's like the, a new day is a new birth. And I felt that I had heard the Lord say to me in my heart, for the light is always birthed out of the darkness. And we were birthed out of darkness. We were translated from the kingdom of darkness. We were delivered from that kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Today, if you will hear his voice, live in this day. You know, it says that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Jesus says, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, neither for the clothes that you'll put on. Is not your life more than raiment, your your life more than these things? If, I, if he can feed the animals and do all these things and your life is hid with Christ and God, then we have to be a trusting people to a trustworthy God. I don't want to ever spend a moment saying, you know what? Um, I don't know what we're going to do. How are we going to do it? And let's say, you know, I'll tell you, anything can happen that would cause me to, in a moment, in my humanity, feel that. But if something so powerful and mighty in me, so passionately, because I experienced it, I experienced the love of God. I experienced his delivering hand. I experienced the light of in the pure black darkness. I experienced the loving kindness and the tender mercies of Jesus Christ when I was all alone and no one loved me. I don't say that. So everybody says, oh, Joni, I'm so sorry. Don't be sorry. Just listen. You see, God allows these things so that we see and know the greatness of our God, that he is greater than all these things. It says, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people henceforth, yea, even forevermore. It says that we are found in Christ Jesus now. And when we begin to live as people that have that our eyes have been opened. You know, just really quick, I want to run this past you. I was thinking, of, I read yesterday about the man who was blind from birth. And it said, Jesus, it says, it starts out in verse chapter nine, verse one. It says, Jesus and his disciples were in a certain place. And there was a man that was born blind from birth. And and Jesus, you know, spat on the ground and and he put mud on his, you know, he made, he made clay and he put the clay on his eyes and he told him go wash it says um it said that he told him to go wash he said go wash in the pool of siloam and he went there for and washed and came seen next thing you know his neighbors and they which were before had seen him that was blind and some said this and others said that they're like they were all like who is this guy like what is what's happening they were confused they were like 
you know, because you're looking at these different things as the neighbors, therefore, and they which were before had seen him, he that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he, others said, He is like him, but he said, I am he. He said, Therefore, he said unto them, How were thine eyes open? He answered, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes. Do you know there's seven times he says, I. Seven times that that blind man who received his sight, he goes on to say, and he he anointed my eyes. He said, go to the pool of Siloam, wash. And I went and I washed, I received sight. And they said unto him, where is he? And he said, "I, I know not. Then of course they bring him before the Pharisees and the Pharisees start railing on him. And they're like, how did this happen? And he says, He put clay upon my eyes and I washed and I do see. And so they begin to chide him and they begin to buffet against him. And they're like, by what means he now seeth? We know not. Remember, even his parents are like, we don't know what happened. But one thing I saw that was so beautiful. He answered and said, whether he's a sinner, because they're like, he's a sinner. We know who this fellow is. Then he said, if this man We know this man is a sinner. He said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I do know is that where I was blind, now I see. That was his seventh. No, his seventh eye is he said, he answered them again. He said, I told you already and you did not hear. And so they chide him again. But one thing I love in verse 31. Now we know. Now he says we. He doesn't say I anymore because he stood alone by himself against neighbors, against some, against others, against they, not against them, but he stood alone amongst them and he gave a testimony. He gave a witness. I don't know, but this man called Jesus, he made clay and he made, he put it on my eyes. I went, I washed and I came seeing. And they, these religious elites were like, by what means and how did he do it? He's like, I don't know. All I know is once I was blind, I washed, I did what he told me and I washed and I came seeing. But on the first thing I noticed is he said, now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Now that means some people will say, well, God has to hear sinners. How do they get saved? That's not what this means understand see obviously we've got to come to christ when we're sinners while we were yet dead in our trespasses and sins christ died for us he died for you he died for me but notice how this man now he says we what does that mean now he's standing not among his parents not among the neighbors and they which before had seen him and some that some some and the others that were contending about, is this really him or not? He's not standing amongst the Pharisees anymore, but now he takes his position and his side. He says, now we know. And now he's with the disciples and he's saying, we, we know. You see, when you stand for Christ, your family will say, I don't, I don't connect with that. He can answer for himself. He or she can answer for himself. Your neighbors are going to go. They're going to mock you. And like Gurnall said, even they can spit in your face, but Christ will wipe it off. 
this man had spit in his face mixed with clay and he came seeing. And this tells me this man, this blind man, the father in heaven heard him. Why? Because he, it was a worshiper of God. He said, since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? But I know this part is true. It's so beautiful in verse 37. Well, it says here, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, do you believe on the son of God? And he answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, thou hast seen him. And it is he that talketh with me with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. See, he was a worshiper. Now, isn't it interesting how he received sight? Now he's seeing everything and he's standing right in front of Christ, even though he's given a great witness. That's what happens. This is a sequence. When you stand for Christ and you give a witness, even though, you know, even if you're brand new in Christ and you're like, I don't know. All I know is I did what he told me. I washed my, I came to him that he would cleanse me of my sins. He made clay to put upon this clay and told me to wash. And I came seeing. And now I'm testifying. I don't know where he's from. I don't know anything about him, but I do know that this man, if he were not of God, he could not have given me sight. So he's saying, he's starting off. He's a man. They says, Jesus made the clay and he's a man. Then he calls him a prophet. And now he's recognizing him as God. And there's this, this progression into seeing spiritually and to the point that now he's, I'm saying, we know, and he's connecting himself with the disciples, those that have are, that are being disciplined, disciples, students of Christ. And he's a we now, now he's not standing alone. He's standing with the disciples. And then Jesus comes to him and he asks him, do you do believe on the son of God? And he said, who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? So he says, I twice after that. Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he that talketh with me. See, this is when we have that revelation of Christ. So now he's realizing by the spirit, even though Christ, he's manifested in the flesh, he's seen him, Christ manifested him in that way. He said, I'm he, and he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment, I'm come into this world that they which see not might see and that they which see might be made blind. And, you know, I thought about that. And it says, you know, that we see through a glass darkly and then face to face. Then we will know all things as we're fully known. Jesus said, for it is the will of my father in heaven who hath sent me that they who see the son and believe on him shall have everlasting life. And I will raise him again at the last day. You see, when you're like that man, you'll do what you don't care. You'll stand alone. You will stand alone. And you'll say, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I'm no theologian. I'm no seminarian. I don't even know anything. But one thing I know, once I was blind and now I see. And that testimony made him that true worshiper of Jesus Christ to the intent Christ revealed himself to him. He, Jesus sought him out. You see, press in to know Christ. See, that happened in one day in that man's life. 
Think of what can happen one day in your life. Never forget these words. Satan says tomorrow. God says today. God bless you, you guys. Have a good day. Be blessed in Jesus' name.